I want to say my congratulations to this really, really impressive show. I've never seen them so beautiful. And uh, yeah, I've um, done several essays on Soluit since I'm also very impressed by his work and um, convinced that those belongs to the most significant works of um, what we call conceptual art. In recent years, debates in the context of minimalist and uh, post-conceptual forms of a work of art, I'm thinking especially of institutional critique and context art, art of the 90s or since the 90s, which is related to the context as the name says, have focused on the relationship between aesthetic autonomy and social determination. This question has hinged on the one hand on the role that local languages, cultural identities and social realities play with regard to the aesthetic technologies that mediate them. Conversely, methods of documentation, quotation and reference, which is to say procedures associated with intention, have shifted our attention toward the long-neglected role of intuition in the artistic process. Intention was and is most cases associated with a romantic conception of art and preferably assigned to genres such as painting. In the following, I will examine Sol Lloyd's wall drawings with a view to the topos of intuition, which is fundamental to them because I believe this topos is precisely what allows us to contextualize his work in the aesthetic and social dimension of the information society emerging in the late 1960s. And it is to this type of society that we can also relate contemporary discussions of the interplay between art and new technology, as well as debates over the shifting relationships between aesthetic autonomy and social determination. I will begin my lecture on Lewitt's wall drawings with a quote from the artist himself. Quote, If the artist carries through his idea and makes it into visible form, then all the steps in the process are of importance. The idea itself, even if not made visible, is as much a work of art as any finished product. All intervening steps, scribbles, sketches, drawings, failed works, models, studies, thoughts, conversations are of interest. Those that show the thought process of the artist are sometimes more interesting than the final product. End of quote. It has been repeatedly pointed out in the context that Lewitt's artistic credo, which he first articulated and published around 1967, that, quote, the idea becomes the machine which makes the art, end of quote, goes beyond his minimalist oeuvre of the 1960s in claiming that the conceptual model of a work takes precedence over material and media-specific criteria and features. That the wall drawings he creates starting in 1968 are a particularly astute representation of the new phase in Lewitt's thinking about art seems to be ultimately due to the fact that they come closest to realizing his ambition to overcome what, we, what he saw as the rationalist subjective pictorial language of abstract ab expressionism which dominated post-war art, especially in the US, with a language of objectivity based on intuition and information. Lewitt put it most succinctly when he explained in 1993 that, quote, obviously 
a drawing of a person is not a real person, but a drawing of a line is a real line. End of quote. The same time, however, his paragraphs and sentences on conceptual art, first published in 67, the second in 69, argue against the fetishistic treatment of materials in the minimalist work rhetoric and against its affinity for innov innovative technologies. He rejects these phenomena in favor of a hidden concentration of his artistic idea. This means on mental conception of a work, a position that might at first glance suggest that he distances himself also from traditional work-related processes, including the medium and of the preliminary drawing. The question then concerns the status of his medium in the context of a concept and a praxis of drawing precisely not defined by the individual artistic hand. At the illustrations show, this is evident even from the simple fact that the so-called proposals he then designed for his wall drawings are presented either as textual instruction or in the form of diagrams. We have here one um, from a work which is related to his work series uh, Incomplete Open Cubes from 1974, and it is not exactly for a wall drawing, um, as I will explain li later, but it makes clear that he uh, did his studies on his um, wall drawings and on his work, and I show you another example where it becomes clear how he works his diagram and certificates. This is the way how he would then or have then or still uh, uh, sold his work. They anticipate the final result. I'm going back. Even though a gulf opens between this codification, the visual appearance and the physical perception of the wall drawings that even the most imaginative viewer of art could not possibly bridge. There are two reasons why in the following I will examine this aspiration to objectify the preliminary drawing as a means of artistic expression and presentation in relation not only to Lewitt's wall drawings, but also to a group of working drawings you are seeing here, on which the incomplete open cubes are based. The first reason is a purely factual one. Despite a number of requests addressed to the Lewitt Foundation, I did not perceive permission to take a look at the notebooks and sketchbooks related to the wall drawings, and I, also, I collaborated with the um, with Yale University and uh, they also have asked and uh, they would not allow. I think they have their reasons. Then again, this may be indicative. In all the catalogues that include material on Lewitt's wall drawings, I have not found a single reproduction of any of the preliminary drawings. Therefore, I help myself with the uh, working drawings just to clarify the way he <coughs> develops his drawings. The latter, it seems, do not fit the aura of objectivity surrounded the wall drawings. After all, the associated proposals for wall drawings are apt to articulate the implications of Lewitt's work concept on both the linguistic and the mental level. The second reason why I refer to the working drawings is that the series they help to develop the incomplete open cubes is a clearer manifestation of Lewitt's production and materialization of a work idea he would explain only a little later in a programmatic statement. Quote, I will refer to the kind of art in which I'm involved as conceptual art. In conceptual art, the idea or concept is the most important aspect of the work. When an artist uses a conceptual form of art, it means that all the planning and decisions are made beforehand and the execution is a prefunctory affair. The idea becomes a machine that makes the art. 
This kind of art is not theoretical or illustrative of theories. It is intuitive, it is involved with all types of mental processes, and it is purposeless. It is usually free from the dependence on the skill of the artist as a craftsman. Lewitt obviously does not see his model of the idea machine in the tradition of realism and rationalism. His fellow artist, Karl André, he's a minimal artist, sums up Lewitt's position as follows, quote, Saul is our Spinoza. In the history of modern philosophy, Baruch Spinoza, he lived from 1632 to 1677, is considered René Descartes' antipode or antipode. He believed that the, quote, order and connection of ideas was the same as the order and connection of things. Spinoza thus turned against the notion that there is a transcendent principle behind the material phenomena to which reason enjoys privileged cognitive excess. In other words, Spinoza thinks the divine principle as an entity that expresses itself. It does not constitute a superordinate category within an order conceived as hierarchical, but the correlative to the so-called attributes, he spoke of attributes, in which it manifests itself. The French philosopher Gilles Deleuze founded this thinking of immanence on Spinoza's idea. Regarding Lewitt's conception of intuition, it is illuminating that Spinoza speaks of the soul that is active in accordance with certain laws, operating, as it were, like a spiritual automaton, like a spiritual machine. The idea born from intuition, in other words, points not to the subjectivity of the artist, but to a definition of intuition, which is to be differentiated from subjectivity, which takes place or is performed as a mechanical proce procedure within the medium of drawing. The inevitable mistakes and flaws of which Lewitt speaks with reference to the conditions of the possibility of his serial systems are also an in inevitable part of his quasi-mechanical working drawings. As yet, as I would like to argue in the following, the drawing process legible in the wall drawings cannot be described in conventional terms as an experimental or determined procedure. Instead, it is a systematic working through of fundamental principles that underlie his work. The premise already gives rise to the next question, does the production of an idea always already entail the act of its materialization as a drawing? Or does the drawing reconstruct the mental process? In other words, are there specific conventions of drawing itself articulated by Lewitt's sketches? The artist himself has mentioned the cave paintings at Lascaux, or Giotto's frescoes, drawings by Eva Hesse from the mid-60s. I will go on. Here you see other examples of the working drawings I later go back to. Here you see their materializations in the open cubes in various forms. And here you can see how far he was experimenting his forms and was dealing with errors in his forms and was taking his notes. And here we have a sketch, uh, a drawing by Eva Hesse, whom he said has influenced him so much. We see here another work in space, so that these kind of drawings could take then other material forms, other kind of um, object form than only as drawing. This is also similar to Soluit's work. And he said also that he was... Um, influenced by the exhibition design of the first papers of surrealism, 
the show that Duchamp did right after he came to New York in uh, 1942, but also the work of Hanne Darboven, a German conceptual artist, or also another example we have here is Adrian Pipers. By contrast, his early work as a graphic designer and his employment in an office of um, architect Io Min Pei between 1955 and 1960 play only small roles in his own assessments of his artistic biography. That is to say, he does nothing to nourish the speculation, surely not far-fetched, that he deliberately draws on the conventions of technical drawings. If one can speak of the wall drawings in an engineering sense that is because they should be read as objective visual information. That is what he wants. Still, at first glance, the graphic process in the double sense of writing and drawing, as we have seen that before, and as we can see it in this um, overview of his working drawings again, Uh, most evident in the working drawings might suggest a deliberate departure from those categories of artistic drawing that give rise to the mutually exclusive classes of autonomous work and pure sketch. It is between the latter two that I will argue the working drawings help us understand that the wall drawings adopt a middle position in order to spell out my speculative hypothesis, to emphasize on the one hand the significance of the idea, its primacy over the material fact of work, and on the other hand, in order to use such ambivalence and difference precisely to elaborate the medium specificity of Lewitt's drawings. As a first example, I would like to discuss the world, uh, wall drawing, sorry, wall drawing number three from 1969 at Paula Cooper's. Uh, I'm very happy that we can see the wall drawings here in the exhibition because it's always really a horror to see them by uh, PowerPoint because you can't see anything. A drawing executed in black pencil. It is based on precise instructions that mention the executing artist by name. In uh, this version, the plan serves as documentation of a work that has already been realized. The details listed in the plan include the location at which Adrian Piper, his colleague, Jesse Orter and Saul Lewitt executed the work. Quote, on the south wall of the smaller room of Paula Cooper Gallery, 96 Prince Street. We also learned that the wall drawing is a contribution to a benefit event of the Art Workers Coalition organized by the curator and writer Lucy Lippard. These details are followed by an exact description of the principle behind the work. This drawing is 16 inches, 8 inches times 6 inches, composed of four sections each, 8 inches, 4 inches times 3 inches, and was drawn with 9H graphite sticks. The drawing to the width of the wall, the height of each section, is dictated by the maximum length that a line can be easily drawn using a 45-degree right triangle as a guide. Each of four sections has three crossing lines superimposed on one another vertical, horizontal, diagonal, left to right, and diagonal right to left, 45 Degrees. Representing the basic direction the light lines can be drawn. The lines are drawn as lightly and as close together as possible. The tonality of the drawing should be equal since those are equal number of lines in each segment. The beholder is confronted with a surface composed of an overwhelming profusion of diagonal Diagonal lines the eye cannot readily perceive as a whole. The lines which cross 
one another everywhere has been drawn at such small distances that the surface seemed positively opaque, like a piece of densely woven cloth. The square shapes evoked by the composition of the field of lines seem to be absorbed by the same surface that constitute and structure. Any attempt to let one's eyes be guided by a geometrical lineage of the drawings is bound to fail for the surface is an internal motion flickering in a way that deprives the gaze of all focus and orientation. The viewer's realization that he fails to meet this optical challenge is tantamount to the realization that the perception is limited and dependent on his vantage point, an optical effect that recalls Lewitt's attempt to translate Edward Mybridge's sequential photographs into image objects, as we can see it in this work and in that work that he was very much referring to Mybridge's chronophotography. The beholder experiences perception as a fragmented process in which the visible attains structure only by virtue of a relation to the non-visible. This experience of difference is the effect of a splintered perspective on the part of the beholder that implies his being in motion. This means the mobilization of his body and gaze as we can see, um, see more clearly in the working drawings, or we have seen it, that is because the lines and forms are subject to a quasi-grammatical structure. The letters and numbers obviously serve to keep track on the grand scheme of things and to avoid both identi identical repetition and the omission of variations in two-dimensional representation of three-dimensional cubes. Following the art historian Nicolas Baum's description, we can see that the first system involves assigning letters to each of the eight corners of a complete cube. Twelve lines or paths connect the eight corners forming the cube. The parameters Lewitt set for the project include the implication of a three-dimensional cube, hence one or two-part variations were illegible and no repetitions of individual forms. But as this example, we can see it is a little bit small, I'm sorry for that, drawing also seems a suitable medium for the exploration of alternative possibilities. Here then it serves the classical function of resolving problems of presentations. The signs marked as arrows indicate the obvious difficulty posed by the task of systematically enacting the underlying generative principle of logical rotation and permutative sequence according to the governing laws of accumulation and progressive deduction. Even more, the cancellation, encirclings and arrows demonstrate the difficulties Lewitt encountered in determining the sequences of individual elements in a systematic fashion, based on incremental accumulation of subtraction. This implies that the various ap appearances of the line reproduce certain pre-existing languages or codes. Due to this form of internal differentiation, each of the drawings, their serial character notwithstanding, has it, uh, its particular look. As we can see it in the wall drawings, working drawings, sorry, each sheet defines simultaneously the beginning of one sequence and the end of another. Their combination then relativizes the idea as a beginning that by itself constitutes a process. For the variations that result in the process of realization could also appear at a different moment in this process, even at its beginning, uh, demonstrated by uh, cancellations and rearrangements. Which is to say, nothing here suggests a compelling causality in the sense of a consistent anticipation of the end of any particular reading. 
the simultaneity of process and closure also defines the character of the wall drawings, rendering them at one logical and arbitrary. Time and again, they stage individual signs as monadic units that give the impression of leading a life of and for themselves, a life of imminent communication. Regarding the ide uh, ideational status of the drawings, we might then say in view of their linguistic definition that they express an activity or a process. Lewitt's explanation, according to which the idea becomes a machine that produces the art, would let us understand his working drawings as a form of activity without subject or object. This too would be an indication that we cannot discuss his conception of drawing in categories of the image or in a classical sense. The more to since formal criteria such as inside, outside, figure, ground, focus, horizon, perspective, etc. play no significative role. This makes them exemplary realizations of Deleuze's definition of the non-mimetic effect, the interval as pent-up action. Yet, as Deleuze writes in his book on cinema about the effect image that engenders great intensity of sensation is not dynamic but reduced motion. This we might say, would simultaneously also be one way to put the empirical quality of the working drawings into words. If I characterize them in this way, I do not so um, to confer theoretical nobility upon an artistic model of drawing, but to take up once again the question regarding the media specificity of the wall drawings. Time and again, Lewitt included, included indications in his work of the importance Mybridge chronophotography had for him. Their declared intention was to address time experienced as chronology itself as an invisible mode of the fictionality of perception by emphasizing the sequentiality and fragmentariness composed of individual pictures and frames. The analysis of a course of motion into individual shots that form an experience of duration only when put in sequence can be fruitfully compared to Lewitt's sketches. In this context, the artist, art historian, sorry, Pamela M. Lee has pointed out the musical phasing in them. We just saw it in this illustration. Something she, Pamela Lee, explains with Lewitt's familiarity with the serial music or the minimal music of his time. Cage should be mentioned at this juncture, for he posited against the mimetic function of recall implicit in melody the sudden, unexpected and unimaginable event. This circumstance most strongly suggests an analogy to the system of notation that becomes popular in the context of fluxes. The ideational correspondence between the working drawings and other genres and media, which we have seen, then is apt to establish a thinking about the possibility of experiencing in the form of perception something other than the always already familiar, that is the condition of the possibility of something new in repetition. This may seem contradictory given the quasi-automated uh, production of such drawing and its mechanical realization. It is, as it were, the difference produced by the rotating principle of repetition that permits the assertion of this contradiction as a quality of empirical perception. Baum notes in this context that Lewitt reflected on his own pleasure in seeing the result of the project. Quote, I was surprised that they drew such a positive aesthetic reaction, at least for me, and that they would be, have been unimaginable. 
without having seen the actual things, you could never have conjured them up in your mind beforehand. Having elaborated these considerations on the example of the working drawings, I would now like to take them one step further with a view to the proposal for a wall drawing Lewitt developed for information, an exhibition held at the New York's MoMA in 1970. You can read the proposal there. Within four adjacent square, each four inches by four inches, four draftsmen will be employed at four dollars an hour. For four hours a day and for four days to draw straight lines, four inches long, using four different colored pencils, nine age black, red, yellow and blue. Each draftman will use the same color throughout and four day period working on a different square each day. By virtue of this reduction to a classical means of drawing, which seems to scoff at the minimalist affinity for advanced industrial materials and manufacturing processes, Lewitt expands the focus of aesthetic perception to include what is usually non-visible, the form of production. The proposal I have sketched uh, uh, sorry, I have selected, has the air of an absurd encoding of Fordist methods of assembly line production, both invoking and disfiguring the avant-garde rhetoric of the machine. For the choice of the number four as a constitutive matrix of artistic production seems to be arbitrary and hence without further significance. With his proposals for wall drawings, Lewis seeks to counter the avant-gardist efforts of production with a form of stupidity. At the same time, his model, which rests on the principle of the division of labor, has fundamental consequences for the material status of the medium of drawing. It is not only an object of aesthetic contemplation, but also a vehicle to the transmission of information. Since the wall drawings, unlike the minimalist sculpture that preceded them, do not require manufacture at a workshop, they carry the model of industrial production into the space of their presentation. We might recognize in this sort of extension of the domain of factory methods to the museum, the gallery, the public or private space, a mutually decentering erosion of the boundary between the production of art and that of a factory. A phenomenon that is evident also in the compass of Lewitt's graphic oeuvre. To date, there were more than 900 uh, wall drawings in existence. That each of these drawings is a singular work is an ironic effect of Lewitt's serial production. As the artist writes in a statement entitled Doing Wall Drawings, published in 1971, quote, there are decisions that the draftsman makes within the plan, as part of the plan. Each individual being unique is given if given the same instruction, would understand them differently and would carry them out differently. The artist must allow various interpretations of his plans. The draftsman perceives the artist's plan, then orders it to his experience and understanding. The draftsman's contributions are unforeseen by the artist, even if he, the artist, is the draftsman. Even if the same draftsman followed the same plan twice, there would be two different works of art. No one can do the same thing twice. End of quote. This statement suggests that the replacement of in situ production based on the division of labor for the manufacture of objects by a single author in a studio is the precondition based on which the significance of artistic intention can be relativized, if not eliminated altogether. <clears throat> it may appear paradoxical at first glance that Lewitt envisages the implementation of a plan laid out beforehand as the way to overcome a rationalist conception of art. The fact that this plan 
is a precondition for the programmed loss of control on the part of the artist is precisely the particular clue of Lewitt's conception. The aesthetic operation of the wall drawings then consists in the application of the rules on which they are based in the sense of a self-explication of information, which means that the aesthetic phenomenon, which is usually taken to connote artistic subjectivity, is subordinated to the conceptual idea. From this point on, we might speculate about a potential explanatory connection between Lewitt's concept of work and of those processes of industrial transformation that betoken as early as the late 1960s the future predominance of computer-based information technology Also, he never used that technology. He was totally against that. He was, as Robert Smithson was saying at that time, he was totally against the idealization of technology as the minimal artists have done. The more noteworthy, then, is Lewitt's credo that his work can exist only in the context of the system called art and not in a wider social space. By contrast, in an essay, entitled Art Machine that discusses Lewitt's incomplete open cubes, Jonathan Flatley develops an argument based on Niklas Neumann's systems theoretical hypothesis that system and environment are interrelated, an idea from which the American art historian derives a comparable relation to what he believes are the visually overwhelming lines, joint, angles in Lewitt to the extent that these reflect the confrontation with mass of data we face every day. The wall drawings, he argues, thus mark the phenomenological horizon of a social order in a process of transformation. This sort of mimetic relationship between aesthetic and social experience, whose existence Lewitt denied in a certain sense, is according to flatly what constitutes the emotive aspect in our perception of the wall drawings. Quote, flatly, this gives the viewer a kind of abstract effective map in the combinatory experience, end of quote. The claim that the wall drawings represent an idea of the machine adapted to, uh, adapted to the logic of the information society is also supported by Flatley's distinctions between Lewitt's models of production and Warhol's. If you remember, Andy Warhol has said, I want to be a machine. Here we as well have the metaphor of the machine. But the difference is following Flatley, quote, If being a machine for wall is about coupling with other machines, for Lewitt it is about duplicating for the viewer one element of life in a machine-like world. This element is the experience of a contradiction between the conceptual grasp of a total system and the particular perceptual experience of it. End of quote. Lewitt's conception of the wall drawings, then, is not about establishing a metaphorical link between artistic subjectivity and mechanical serial production, but about an aesthetic operation that enables cognitive connections between a fragmented perception and a system that remains abstract because it does not permit holistic visual comprehension. A model of this sort, flatly argues, is closer to the conditions of information technology than to those of the machine in the factory. This claims is supported further by arguments in Alexander Albero's study, Conceptual Art and the Politics of Publicity, which envisages the Overall, socio-economic conditions prevalent in the 60s and the 70s, <clears throat> quote, variously described as post-industrial information and consumer society, it was marked, among other things, by novel modes of communication and distribution of information, new types of consumption, an ever more rapid rhythm of fashion and style changes and the proliferation of advertising and the media to an unprecedented degree. 
providing services and manipulating information become the heart of this new economic paradigm, which Michael Hart and Antonio Negri have appropriately termed informatization. The emergence of conceptual art is closely related to this new moment of advanced capitalism. Indeed, conceptualism's unusual formal features and mode of circulation in many ways utilize and enact the deeper logic of information. As we have uh, seen the diagram uh, and the certificate, those modes of uh, distribution, of course, could then be distributed and circulated um, in a non-material sense, as we call the um, immaterial mode of production in information society. This was a climate in which semiotics and semiology, post-structuralism, information theory, and especially important, minimal music, became the most significant sources of inspiration for Lewitt. Seeing the wall drawings in the context of their cultural environment leads us to ask whether they represent a distinctive medium of representation or of presentation within the medium of drawing and how they position themselves vis-a-vis the disjunction between an autonomous and an operative medium, a medium that would take its form in the claim lodged by the contemporary theories of science to be the intellectual system on which all sciences as well as art and technology were founded. In this perspective, it is illuminating to compare Lewitt's proposal for the exhibition information to Alan M. Turing's Universal Machine. In his 1948 essay, Intelligent Machinery, the English mathematician describes his theoretical model of the computer as follows. Quote, it is possible to produce the effect of a computing machine by writing down a set of rules of procedure and asking a man carry them out. Such a combination of a man with written instructions will be called a paper machine. A man provided with paper, pencil and rubber and subject to strict discipline is in effect a universal machine. End of quote. Turing's model of the paper machine is nothing other than a combination of human beings with written instructions designed to provide confirmation that machines can think on the basic of an algorithmic structure. I will at this point leave the fact that Lewis' proposal might meet the criteria of Turing's paper machine, a mental experiment but it demonstrates that the analogy obtains between the wall drawings and the model of algorithm on which modern computing technology is founded. In other words, while Lewitt's wall drawings do not aim at the social shaping of the outside world, they nonetheless situate themselves in the reality of this world. I see the wall drawings then as a system of the conditions of possibility that turn the instruments of art against their function, which has been confused with their essence, without reducing this function to a question of a romantic, idealistic or techno-modernist comprehension. And this is the way his wall drawings let us think about the precarious distinction between aesthetic and scientific experiences at a moment when the so-called information society had already became the, become, sorry, the horizon of our contemporary social experience. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Robert, for this uh, very informative and interesting uh, presentation. I thought we could open up for some questions, if there are any. Both when reading about Solowitz's work and listening to you, it is very obvious um, uh, the, the, the descriptions, which is kind of like a skeleton for his, for his works. But when... And, and uh, it's not so often you have the opportunity of actually seeing a show. Um, there, is, there is always something else that happens when you meet the work, which is, um, which is not really there when, when, when they are described. 
even though that is the most important part of the work. And you also mentioned at a certain point, I think it was in the beginning of your, of your uh, lecture, uh, that um, Solowit had once saw, saw one of his drawings um, when it was realized and, 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 and he, he experienced something that he couldn't have, have, um, have uh, thought of before when he only wrote the instructions. And um, um, this might not be, not be such much of a question, but could you comment on, on that, that part that is kind of missing, what you experience when, you, when you're in a show and standing in front of, of, uh, of one of his works that's... That, you mean that when you actually leave the, the instructions and, and you yeah. just look at the piece. Yeah, yeah. That is a, it's a uh, absolute adequate question. That is a little bit what I try to explain, that there is a moment of that you become aware of the particular moment, of a particular kind of um, uh, empirical experience of the lines, especially in this show, and that the moment when you see them, you understand that they stand in relation to a totality of a system, that there is a kind of basic proposal, that there is something you can see by the same time related to something you can't see or you can't get, you can't understand immediately. And I think that is... Especially, you know, the disturbing and also the aesthetic experience, I, I, uh, what you make, that there is something you can see which is really like very impressing in an, a very aesthetic way, but by the same time you understand, and that was so important for him and for the whole construction he made with his wall drawings, that there's always that you understand, you see something, you are over overwhelmed by them, but at the same time you understand that there is something else you can't see, that there is a kind of cognit cognitive moment in it, and that you have to relate to both dimensions if you want to get the idea of, of, of this, you know, piece of art. By the same time, this idea is, as I try to explain, and I hope I was clear enough, it is not about understanding a theory, but to understanding something that is a kind of uh, operating modus in it. Yeah? But it is not only about seeing what you get, the formalist or the modernist, credo or par paradigm, but it is all the time something about mental and cognitive procedures. And therefore, I think it's very important to think of Duchamp, of course, who was very influential to him or to the whole generation of conceptual artists, that there's something you have to understand, but not in an intellectual way, but in a kind of empirical, exper experimental way. To, to bring together the particular and the system. And this is a tension you get when you are standing in front of the walls, that you understand you won't get them at all, but by the same time, you have to get them at all to understand what the operating modus is. I hope that I could answer your question. It was a very good answer. <laughs> um, or at least it was very close to what, at least what I experience when I look at them. Mm -hmm. But I have also another question for you, which mm -hmm. is more of, of if you know. Um, and, and it has to do with um, his later work. And I'm now thinking of, of, of um, we haven't seen any examples of these. Yeah. And there's no, nothing in the show as well of, of the, the, um, the um, wavy line formed work. Yeah. You know which yeah. ones I'm referring yeah. to? Yeah. Uh, which seemed to me not so close to um, a description or a, a conceptual base or conceptual thought. Do you think that he left that and made freer works in the end? Or mm, I wouldn't say freer in an expressionist way, but I would say that he kind of tried to experience all paradigms of art and he would like to re-examine also the basic structures of painting uh, by exploring color um, and he would then try to 
translate all ideas or um, um, basic ideas um, of, of, of painting and drawing within his model. And you can call it freer in a sense because these early works I'm totally fond of and I'm especially also very fond of the works Elizabeth then did uh, choose is there so about this kind of seeing and non-seeing. The later are more, um, I wouldn't say placative, but they are more kind of um, what can we do with paint? How can we introduce paint again? On which level or on which kind of argument in a conceptual sense we can re, um, reconsider paint as something which could be also experienced as a conceptual paradigm? That is, but probably Elizabeth would know better than me to answer this question relating to the later work. It's true that they do look very different. It's uh, I, some of the late works. and But I think uh, that uh, the, the structure is still very much there and it's still posit uh, possible for the Soluit's uh, studio assistant to make the work according to his instructions, the way as the, as uh, with the works in this exhibition. So even though they look so free, they're possible to to reconstruct in the same way. Um, so maybe they look more different than they are. But I also think if there is very few interviews, uh, and recorded interviews anyway with uh, Sir Louis, but... I think he wanted to create a difference. I think he wanted to to try to incorporate a new expression in them and to challenge himself. <laughs> 